This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. How's it going, Mawera? We're good. It's a good. Uh, it's a nice day here in Fakatani, and um, it has been yeah a really neat day actually with the kids. So I've just been out picking blackberries. Oh, that is such a cool thing to do. You got any good recipes? Oh, yes, jam. Always jam. <laughs> I was <laughs> and, thinking... And we... What were you was, thinking? I was thinking of a pie. Oh, yeah, blackberry pie, yum, with a nice short crust pastry. It needs quite a lot of blackberries for a pie, though. Blackberries and apple? Yep, definitely blackberry and apple. And apples are cheap as chips at the moment, too. If you haven't got any wild apples around, there's plenty of cheap apples around. Then apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar, is she? Yeah. That's neat. But we're not on our own here today. We are joined by Fee Kerr Gedson, who's in Apotiki, near Fokotani. Welcome. Hello that's right, about about half an hour from on from Whakatane around the east coast to Portuki. And who have you got in your bubble? Uh, I've got my 16-year-old daughter in my bubble and uh, my son's dog who's retired to me. Um, that's us at this stage. We're um, potentially also in a bubble with Theron, my daughter's uh, dad. He's come back down from Auckland um, with his partner and um, twins, um, who are three years old, and um, our Greg and my other daughter is um, Nia is out in the bubble with them. So we're going to give it a, a length of time. If everyone's fit and well, we'll um, everyone will be able to go out there and spend some time with them. I think that teenagers in this bubble are probably the most people who are being the challenged the most. How's your sixteen-year-old going? She says it's a bit boring, um, but she very much would have liked to have had her boyfriend in the, the bubble with her. But other than that, um, I think she's doing pretty well. Um, I just, I'm just, I actually listened to the interview, um, well, the talk Nigel Latter and Jacinda, and um, I, I thought that um, I, I had, I'm doing a good job of uh, <laughs> just leaving parents of her own devices mostly. Um, I did start out having her do one job a day for me, but I've slackened off with that. But the, the, the thing we definitely, I, I'm making non-negotiable is every evening, um, once it's dark, I t- we go for a walk around the, um, where we live with our dog um, and I make her come on that one with me. And it's been 
really cool. We've had some really, really lovely conversations. And it's been interesting to watch the moon getting fuller and fuller each night and, and, and for it to have been a full moon last night. So I really enjoyed that. So you are getting out of the house? That's us, that's us all getting out of an evening, but every morning, rain, hail, or shine, I always um, walk the beach with the dog. So that's, that's me every morning. That sounds nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very lucky to live where I live. I've been here for coming up to four years. Um, and, yeah, I can walk out. The, I'm definitely not beachfront, but I can walk out the door to the beach every day. And it's, I can walk through the sand dunes down to the Waiaweka River mouth. Um, so I'm uh, appreciating that more than ever uh, since we've had the go-ahead in the Hōtuki with the funds towards the harbour development, which will change that river mouth considerably for me. In a good way? Not, not in a good way for me personally of a morning, but um, hopefully it's going to benefit our town. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. I hope you're all having the best day in your beautiful beloved bubbles and I'm very excited because I'm just loving this whole joy of uncertainty theme and it's just everything, it really is everything and I'm loving talking to you about it. So of course in our beloved bubbles we're very very lucky to be surrounded by all these beautiful people, human and otherwise, that we love. And whether it's the plants in our beautiful backyard or the hens in our beautiful backyard, in my case, or the sprightly kittens in our living rooms, in my case, or our beautiful partner, Harvey Penfold, in my case, all of these life forms that we're connected to in an infinite web of course bells of mindfulness for us in this time and forever when we are working together to get closer and closer and closer to an awareness and an understanding of the infinite universe we find ourselves in and of course at this time there's a lot of uncertainty as there always is and there's also a lot of certainty as there always is and while we were driving to get some milk from a farm that we're very lucky to live close to I turned to my beautiful partner Harvey Penfold in the car and said to him you know my darling what's your perception on having to deal with uncertainty how do you do it and of course one of the wonderful aspects of Harvey Penfold is that he communicates non-verbally most of the time and he can communicate verbally when required but it is to a degree which he facilitates and that is to a limited degree so I know that I have to really you know make the most and relish these opportunities for verbal communication so I was very excited to see what he had to say and what he had to say was actually really helpful so I was very grateful and what he said was that when we have uncertainty 
what works well for him is instead of imagining the way that things could be and making decisions based on that, giving things a go and then making decisions, which I think is very helpful. And one of the ways that we can take these absolute pearls of wisdom from Harvey Penfold is taking a bit of a step back, which we know I love to do so much. And think about our wonderful living toolkit and, of course, our beautiful minds. And something, of course, that our beautiful mind just loves to do for us because it loves us is conceptualize everything for us. Thank you, beautiful mind. And also try, try, try to control everything as much as it possibly can. And look ahead and try to think how things could be. And this, of course, is partly where that sense of uncertainty comes from. So if we can take a bit of a step back and just embrace the fact that this sense of uncertainty comes from our wonderful mind doing these, you know, very helpful evolved patterns of behavior for us, doing its best to protect us by trying to control things and imagine how things could be, then we can give ourselves a bit of a break at this time in terms of dealing with uncertainties. But another thing that we can do is really enjoy it. Really enjoy the fact that we're in this exciting time of uncertainty. And so we are the ones that can enjoy imagining and thinking about how things could be. And that it's really an adventure for us. It's a great creative adventure that we're all part of, that we're all contributing to. And of course, we have all these wonderful tools at our disposal to share our bubble visions, our visions of the future together and think about how we would love things to be and how we could contribute to making things the way we would love them to be and really freeing ourselves from any fear around that uncertainty, embracing that uncertainty, welcoming that uncertainty and thanking that uncertainty for giving us this big wonderful, exhilarating, joyful, exciting, uplifting, positive adventure that we're all in together right here, right now. So I thought I would share that with you and I'm really looking forward to having more time with you and I hope you're all having the best day. I will speak with you And are you managing to work from home with a, a full house? Yes, I work from home. I always work from home, so that that hasn't changed a lot for me at all. Although I, I have been um, working very gently. Um, I actually hurt my um, hand and shoulder last year working too intensively, so I've I've just um, been easing back into things. Um, and it feels really nice to not be pressuring myself, which it's it's been an interesting exercise this lockdown because because I work for myself from home anyway. Um, Potentially, I've got the freedom to work as little or as often as I like. And I've realised with the rest of the world quieting down around me, how that's made me more gentle on myself and I've eased up. Um, And I'm just really enjoying um, a whole lot more exercise other than the walking, running with the dog in the morning. I've been spending a whole lot more time on my yoga mat and doing breath work and um, just really enjoying the space to nurture myself, really.
while, while still working from home. I was talking to Birgit Padsenstadler, who is a professor of computing, um, currently in... Actually, she's not currently in Sweden. She's supposed to be in Sweden, but she conveniently found herself not in Sweden at the start of the of, of the lockdown. So she's in Southern California, but she's also a, a, a full-time dedicated yoga teacher. So we had a, a, a good discussion about the relationship that that yoga brings to, um, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to to be in the place. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. Well, hello there everyone in bubble land, it's Liesel here, coming at you from the zoo bubble. Um, actually, Zoo Loftier is what I've decided I want to call my, uh, my spot because it's kind of upstairs, so not just a zoo, but the lofty zoo. Yeah, Zoo Loftier. I like that. Not quite Zoolander, but Zoo Loftier. Yeah. Anyway, I'm playing around with ideas. Um, hope you're having a lovely day and uh, hopefully able to find some things to entertain yourself, eating some delicious food, doing some good things, maybe doing some work, um, looking after the people in your lives, connecting, doing all those fun things. Um, So today I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, creativity because I think one of the things that can come out of these um, kind of moments where we're forced to stop, to slow down, to stay home, to reassess some of the things in our lives, uh, to work out what we've got, what we don't have, what we need, what we don't need, what we want. A lot of it's what we want, (laughs) but don't really need. yeah and with this sort of time this forced time that we have what are you doing um or are you finding that you are a little bit more creative or wanting to be creative and i know for myself one of the things that i kind of um right away started to want to do was you know make nice food bake uh be creative in the kitchen because i had a little bit more time and i think we all you know enjoy the the sort of care that goes into cooking and there's something quite satisfying about being able to create something to then eat you know which obviously gives us sustenance and life and all those good things but um, also just sort of a delicious and wonderful um, thing to thing to be able to do so that's one of the things that I sort of am finding I'm wanting to do Uh, another thing that I'm doing is taking photos and I enjoy taking photos anyway but I'm just going nuts like it's one of those things that every time I leave the house to go on one of my little wanders uh, I'm just taking hundreds of photos and then um, trying to choose five to put up on Facebook which is just absolute torture Um, torture because I actually have to look through all these photos that I think why did I take 16 photos of that one one object or one particular view I don't know why I do that. It's like I stand there and I think, I'll just take this, I'll take it one more time, I'll take it just in case that didn't quite, oh, I'll move the camera slightly, or I'll take it one more time. And I end up with like 16 photos of this one view. Anyway, that's for me to sort out. I need to have a conversation with myself later about that. So photography, that's something that I've been really enjoying and then sharing it and 
there's a couple of cool sort of things happening on Facebook where, and Facebook's my kind of go-to, I guess, in terms of family and friends and sort of connecting. Um, just putting up photos of um, part of a group called the Silent City, which is photos of just the streets empty. So popping up my photos on that of Dunedin streets is really cool because I'm also seeing all these other streets in the world that people are taking photos of and um, just empty. And it's just the most bizarre phenomenon. Anyway, um, photography, that's something creative I do. I'm also making music because I like making the music, but I found that I'm just getting quite sort of prolific in my music making. Every every evening I seem to be inspired for, and I don't know why, because what am I what what am I doing during the day that's kind of fueling all this sort of energy for creativity? You know, you sort of think, oh in my normal life I go meet those people and then I go to that different place and then I go to work and then I do that thing and then I go over there and you know I'm busy. I've got all this stuff, all this all this kind of like um, all these resources to like pour into my creative life but usually we're too tired to be creative <laughs> or something whereas the quiet time and not doing as much it feels I actually think I'm able to listen to the creativity with within so to speak and yeah I'm making um, music that I'm enjoying just sort of putting out there for others to listen to if they want to but it, mainly it's really just for me so yeah, there's something to be said for sort of downtime to be able to kind of find those things that give you joy and and actually things that often we don't think have value because we think it's not paid time. You know, when you go and do something creative, it's like, oh, but that's not a job. But I encourage you to, to try and do some creative things. It's, it gives you a lot of joy. So on that note, uh, from the bubble, the bubble of creativity, the Zuloftia, uh, I will bid you farewell. Until next time, take care out there. I first met Fee, oh, I don't know, maybe, how many years ago, Fee? Oh, I've been doing my work for 20 years now, so. So, so probably around 14 years ago, um, I, I met Fee. Uh, uh, Dave and I um, have a feather business. We send feathers all over the world, and Fee um, started buying feathers from us for her work. Uh, um, she makes the most extraordinary pieces of art with feathers and they also go around the world and it has been such a privilege to watch Fee's work develop over time and uh, and with that a friendship has also developed so it was uh, it's been really neat for me to be able to um, you know to introduce her to you today so we find the work on Fiona Kerr, that's Kerr with two R's, Gedson, Fiona Kerr Gedson, dot com. Yep. And what should we go and look for when we get there? Um, in particular, there's a slideshow that has a whole lot of works that are in situ. So where, the, um, where someone's bought the works and they're hanging on their wall, um, I, I love just sitting there flicking through those. They are absolutely mind-blowing. And um, some of them, like, I guess you get the scale. When you see them actually hanging on a wall, you get the scale of them. And you sit there and think about how many feathers have gone into each piece. And, and then you sort of start thinking naturally, how long has that taken? It's a phenomenal amount of work uh, to achieve an absolutely incredible result. And they're very... Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at... Your work blows me away. 
I am I am looking at them now, and uh, I agree. And they're, they're they're enormous, and they're very colourful, and they're really made up of feathers. Yes. Okay. Each so you, one individually plucked and cut and glued in place. <laughs> I know. It's so Action! I don't need to add anything. It's really lovely. Um, yes, absolutely, Myanmar. We have developed a friendship, and that is a, a huge part of my work that I'm full of appreciation for the, the relationships that I have developed through my work with the likes of you, with Joss, my framer, with um, the, the, each of my representing galleries. I've got, I've got beautiful friendships that I treasure through through what through that have developed through work relationships and I just feel very fortunate it's, it's a blessing for me I've just found one that says it's in Port Chalmers ah yes that, that piece is um that was inspired after my sister um oh, it's probably coming up to a couple of years ago now shifted to Dunedin um Dunedin lured her in Melanie Kerr is my sister's name um and she initially, the, her and her partner Grant, who was a builder, got had, Grant got asked to build a house down there. And so they initially they were just going to go for a sojourn for nine months. But when you arrive in Dunedin Airport, there is a sign above the door as you walk in, and it says, "Welcome to Dunedin. If you've got a return ticket, you might want to cash it in." And exactly what happened to my sister and her family? They got down there and they absolutely loved it. So on one of my trips down to stay with Mel, um, we went on a little tiki tour out to Port Chalmers and um, we went to visit Mary McFarlane, who is Ralph Hortity's widow, and we had the most beautiful visit with Mary, who's an extraordinary woman and artist herself. Um, and um, since then, I've actually acquired a piece of Mary's work, which I adore, and it hangs in my bedroom. Um, she works on the back of old mirrors. It's just divine. I love it. But back back to that piece of work. Um, we also I also met um, Deb Bellowfield, who is a um, jeweller in Port Chalmers. And um, yeah, after the, an extraordinary um, day at Port Chalmers, I came home, and, and that was a piece that transpired from then. I just found a new favourite. I, sh I should stop looking and, and concentrate on on on, on talking because people can't see what what these pictures are. Uh, I've, I've I'm looking at one that is um, nine circles, and it's got inset squares. The circles are brown and red, and the circle the the squares inset are blue and yellow. I don't know if that's I'm enough for you. That's the very one you're speaking to, but I have a piece called The Geometry of Human Connection, which is, has the nine circles like that. And um, I just love how inspiration comes to you. I was um, I, I, The first piece I did along those lines had four mandala in it, and, and they would, they, I just basically create they're almost they're mirror images of each mandala is a mirror image of the previous and then um they are placed to form the the squares within the circles i'm not explaining it very well um so so it goes to talk it talks to the the connections that we can make with each other you know that from our 
from each Mandela's quarter joining with and the others form the square.
so the work we were talking about was the geometry of human connection. Are there any messages in that for this period of self-isolation? Well, I guess, you know, you could look upon those each of those man mandalas being their own separate bubble and yet, and yet still relating to each other and still forming connections. Where do the ideas that you have come from? Um, each, each piece of work builds on the last, technically, um, and, and with ideas. Um, I, I believe um, that I'm just a conduit for source creative energy to flow through. Really take a whole lot of credit for my work. I think, um, yeah, I think the, the clearer that I can be, um, the more can flow through me, the more ideas can drop in. Um, I do also really, really enjoy the collaborative um, process of, of commissioned work. Um, I know a lot of artists don't enjoy commissions, but I really do enjoy that. Um, the co-creation, the, the um, process of uh, manifesting someone's ideas when they might not necessarily have um, a specific vision for what that will look like, but they know what they want the piece to feel like. I really love where that, how that extends me. Um, and particularly technically, it can extend my work technically as well, because sometimes people can have ideas that, but they've not <laughs> thought through the process and create that with feathers. So that, that really pushes, um, pushes the boundaries of what I'm doing. Um, and and that obviously, you know, I can take that on um, into future work as well. Just, I can't quite see, just technically, is each little pixel a little bit of a feather? Each, yeah, I guess you can say that. Each pixel is a feather, yes. Yep. So you're painting with feathers? Is that, how, how do you describe it? Um, well, I say that I glue feathers into patterns. That's how I describe it to people who haven't seen my work. Um, my work very much um, originally was um, began with the inspiration from Kahu Huruhuru, feather cloaks. Um, my work originally also had a lot more weaving in it, and, but over time it's progressed to be less about the weaving and more about the feather work. Um, I glue my feathers. Um, I can, I can um, create a lot more precision with the gluing than I could with weaving. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's how I would describe it to someone. I, I glue feathers into patterns which are then framed and, and hung. And not just, they're not all patterns because there's a landscape here. I'm sorry, I'm still looking at your pictures. I, should, I really should stop, but they really are quite stunning. <laughs> yeah. I think um, um, after a trip to Nepal a couple of years ago, it was actually a bit of a re reunion trip for a group of us that had been 20 years earlier. Um, a few of us got together and decided to take up some of our kids back this time. Um, so I took my youngest daughter, Ferrin, with me and... Um, it was, it was after that, I think, was when I started to explore the landscapes. Um, it was a way of um, growing the size of my work 
glass and framing limits the size that I can create the pieces. So with the landscapes, I'm, I can, um, perhaps the one you saw there was a diptych, so I'm, I'm able to place pieces next to each, separately framed pieces next to each other to create a bigger image, which is actually what I've been working on since um, the Rahui started. Um, so the, the piece I'm working on at the moment is actually probably twice the size of the landscape that you've seen there. If, if the one with two pieces to it, so mm -hmm. this is going to have three pieces to it. And I did think the other day, well, I'm making reasonable progress depending on how long this goes for. I might just keep adding pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so the feathers that Fiona gets from us have generally come from pest bird species. So Fiona is part of that overall story of. Um, of an, an animal that's a pest not being poisoned. And she uses the feathers that enables the guys to keep doing what they do, which is um, culling the birds off farms where they're a pest species without having to use poison, which then feeds um, more meat into the community for families. And Fiona and people like her are a really huge part of that story. They are the people who enable that story to happen. So. And, and it just adds a, another dimension again that no that no animals were killed for the feathers, but the feathers were part of a of a much bigger story as well, which includes no poison in the environment. Yes, and I'm, I of course I'm often asked about where I source my feathers from, and I do get um, birds given to me by local farmers. I've lived in a Punky for a long time now, and people know that I will. Into good use, but but also I, I always am um, able to say that I the feathers I purchase are from David Mawida and, and that they they are um they've won those environmental awards for the use of pest control without the use of poison. It's just I yeah I just like to talk about what um, Mawida said then and and um, together we are doing our part to support each other and to support um, the environment. Mm. Rahui Images by Andy Thompson, providing us with daily inspiration through the camera lens. See Andy's pictures on andythompsonphotographynz.co.nz Kia ora. Welcome to uh, my COVID-19 Rahui Images blog and uh, this one's about clearly defined subjects. So um, I don't know about you but uh, you know caught up at home most of your time it's a total different thing and I guess um, we all kind of have that uh, time where we have cabin fever and today was probably one of them that hit me. I yearn for being in the mountains, um, I yearn to be out in the water on my waka ama and, uh, and I yearn to be uh, paddling down the rivers or in the bush and I guess I can get bush uh, close but, um, but also today was really, uh, I hit that cabin fever and I guess um, you know uh, it's, we'll all go through that at some stage um, and it's just about sort of trying to manage that within your bubble and uh, also appreciate uh, exactly where you are and appreciate the good things that you've got. So I really encourage you to make a grateful list if you're suffering from cabin fever. 
Um, and this blog is around, uh, I identify uh, four particular things that um, around photography and, uh, um, and one of them is about having a clearly defined subject and background. And you'll see on this blog, uh, one of the photos down below, it's a nice photo of Joe and Molly, uh, but it's kind of lost. And, um, and so uh, in the actual blog, uh, the certain things, or the first tip that I talk about is, is this clearly defined subject. That's um, uh, also the background as well. When I say clearly defined background, it may be blurry, uh, but you know exactly why you've got it blurry. So the trick is sometimes in photography, uh, what you can do is you can go a little closer to make your subject more of a feature within your actual uh, image that you're producing. And, uh, and sometimes you also need to think about how you might actually uh, do your settings on your camera to be able to make sure that you haven't got that background that's gonna be distracting. So uh, the things that you wanna question yourself is um, why you're taking the photograph and what is your subject and, and how you would like to interpret this within your image. Uh, so uh, those are sorts of questions that will help you define your subject and sometimes taking the whole picture, which we easily see with our eyes. In fact, the way that we look through our eyes is termed as a roundabout looking through a 50mm lens. Um, and so what you might want to do is you might want to bring out one of those features uh, within the plethora of what you're looking at and zero in. And so you might take a head and shoulder shot or you might get a little closer maybe you want to have a sense of distance so then you go right out and you might need a wide angle lens to uh, cover that so um, if you look at the two images that i've got on there um, uh, i've got one of molly our dog because molly's in our bubble and of course joe my wife which is in my bubble as well there's there's a, a few limited subjects that i can use on this one and so um, you can see that i've kind of focused in and mainly focus on or make sure your focus point is on their eyes and it's always great to have crystal clear eyes um, and the other trick with us is getting them in one of those real authentic natural uh, moments and i really really love the photo i've got of joe here that is totally Joe, and uh, I just, it took me a few shots, I had to work a few shots to um, get her in that real authentic moment. So um, yeah, think about uh, making sure in your images to have clearly defined subjects. And this gives you something to focus on when you're uh, moving through in your rahui and in your bubble if you're into photography, even if you're just into art or drawing. That, uh, this is a really good guideline in regards to how you're going to draw uh, and what you're going to focus on. Um, and it keeps things in perspective. Uh, so, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, get out there and take some photographs. Uh, if, you know, by phone, doesn't matter what you've got. Uh, and stay safe and uh, stay within your bubble. We're doing a great job. So keep at it. Kia kaha. I hadn't noticed that I'd never looked at the nine circles enough to see what you saw sam now i'm looking at it going <laughs> i totally yeah it, i hadn't because it's not my usual kind of thing i love the landscape ones or things that are you know I, I hadn't actually seen it like that that was really neat i like that sophie we asked you for a music suggestion you suggested you two still haven't found what i'm looking for what's the story mm. there 
slightly guilty story. Um, that, that my my other um, partner Justin, who lives in Mount Maunganui, and we actually met when he purchased a piece of my work four years ago. Um, and he very kindly commissioned an incredible tiki for me from. Um, Hang on, we've lost you. Just stop, stop, stop. Just, just go back to he commissioned something. He commissioned it for you. I lost your sound. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Um, Justin commissioned a tiki for me from Kiriama Taipa, and um, it's a cast tiki, um, and it's it's absolutely beautiful, and it's all the more special to me because. Who is a Rotorua artist cast it, and um, he was a good friend of my uncle's who passed away um, about eighteen months ago. So it's 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 on so many layers. It's the most beautiful, precious thing, and I have temporarily misplaced it. And I've been waiting for it to turn up, but I had to come clean and tell Justin in case it was at his place um, yesterday. The song that he sent to me. <laughs>
so working from home already, do you have particular tricks or, or, or advice for people for whom this self-isolation and working from home combo is, is a new thing? Um, I think a bit of a routine is helpful for me personally. Um, routine is pretty good. It's fabulous to have a dog that is sitting there waiting for you every single morning when you step out of bed to be taken for a walk. Um, exercise for me is, is um, massively important. Um, and all the, as I said, all the more so since, um, since we have been um, in our bubbles. It's, I think if I can somewhat exhaust my body, it tends to still my mind a little bit more too. Um, um, you know, eating, eating healthily, um, you know, just, just general self-care is, um, is pretty important now more than ever. Are you part of a community? Is it a community of artists that you're talking to? Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely I am um, in contact with other artists. I've actually, initially I, um, I, I was making lots of contact with people, but actually as time gone, has gone on, I, felt, I have found myself withdrawing more and more into my own bubble quite happily and not really wanting a lot of contact <laughs> outside of that. Um, Perhaps, perhaps I'll cut through that again and, and be wanting to have more contact. But actually, right now, I quite like just being in my own little bubble. Um, it's quite comfortable in here for me. Uh, I just, I only let in what I want to. Um, uh, yeah, it's, um, I feel quite, I feel quite, um, well, I, I do have to say, I feel incredibly blessed that I am, um, that I live in a, in a beautiful home, that I live in the environment that I live in, that I can walk to the beach. I'm very, very fortunate. Um, and I'm not, I wouldn't want to um, diminish anyone else's discomforts at this time. Yet I am, I'm actually enjoying it. I don't know what it's going to look like after this. Um, but there doesn't seem to be a whole lot more that I can do about that at the moment than, than what I'm doing, which is looking after myself and, and still working and um, and just just keeping myself as balanced and um, grounded as I can. Um, and from that place, um, I'm much less likely to worry. And um, I've got a friend who wrote a book called An Invitation to Trust which is a line that I adore and I always come back to. And so anytime there's uh, a little discomfort in life, I always look upon it as an invitation to trust. So that's kind of where I'm sitting with things at the moment. Of all of the changes that are going on around us, there's the personal changes, but there's also things that are, are more changes at a social level, societal level. Of those things... Has anything jumped out at you and you thought, I really hope that that sticks? Um, there were no vegetable seedlings left in the Portiki that the Portiki might attend before, before um, we went to uh, level four. Um, and I think that that's fabulous. I think that more people are going to grow veg uh, growing vegetables at the moment. I think that's fantastic. I, I, 
I, I, I'm not a black and white person at all. So on one hand, I want to say, you know, um, I'm spending this time at home and realising how little I can do with happily. Um, and and then I think on the other hand, you know, um, when you are flowing money into the economy, of course, you're supporting other people to earn their living. So it's 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 um, it's a grey area for me, all of that. But but presently, not being in a position to be able to um, be more than what I am right now, I'm I'm actually really comfortable with it. Some questions to end with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, I sold my biggest, the, I'm guessing it was the landscape that you were looking at. Um, that was my biggest piece of work. Uh, well, I had sold one other that size. So now I've sold two of the large landscapes from Archbay Gallery in Queenstown. So if you're looking at um, uh, the biggest value of piece of work that I've sold, and that was um, that was in November. Um, I have been um, asked. I've been. Um, I'm in the process. There's a. Um, sorry, a lot of editing of arms there for you, Sam. <laughs> I'll start again on that little bit. Uh, I also have on the horizon, although not who knows what the, what things are going to look like. But um, I'm at the moment the artist that um, Ockham Residential are working with for a new apartment built in Ponsonby. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like, but that's something quite exciting on the horizon for me. So we're writing a book of these conversations over on Sustainable Lens. We're calling it Tomorrow's Heroes collection of of stories of people who are doing good works so you're in that mansion of superheroes what's your superpower i think my superpower is um being so much more able to control my thoughts these days in a good way yeah yep become things you know oh i see so you still need to have the the imagination yes yep yep but also um by being able to control my thoughts i think i can be comfortable with where i'm at um and know that things always it's another it's it's part of aging it's part of the aging process i just know that i've got this history now that i look and reflect upon and go i'm going to be okay things work out i'm going to be okay this is going to work out for the best i might not be able to see what that looks like but i trust that it's going to be okay do you consider yourself to be an activist no no i don't I don't like conflict. I don't like. No, I don't. What? I'm a lover, not a <laughs> What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, definitely the dog waiting for me. Um, 
in movement. I've, I've, um, I just know myself so much better now, um, and I know that actually just moving my body is really good for me holistically. It's really good for for my mind. So making a move is good. Well, it's good that you're looking for something then. What is the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next couple of years? I think I think, I think it's going to be um, a challenge in the next couple of years because my youngest daughter will leave home. Um, I've got four children. Um, Brayden, my oldest son's 20, going to be 27, and then Rory's 24, um, and my older daughter's 20 and Fiona's 16. So um, I've been a mother for a really long time a very young age so um it's going to be a new experience for me when fear and leaves home and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners just to look after yourselves and each other really whatever that looks like for you personally thank you very much mawira any closing thoughts reminded me that we can't get seedlings at the moment anywhere so I'm going to go and plant some seeds to give away. Thank you very much for that V. Good reminder, lots of people want to plant vegetable gardens and there's nowhere you can buy any seedlings but I've got seeds. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. We're brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie, Andy Thompson and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Manasoy's Badenidum with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani. And we've been joined by Fiona Kerr-Gedson in Apotiki. You can find her work on www.fionakerrgedson.com. Did I say I'm Samuel Mann? Well, I am. I'm Samuel Mann. I hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.